welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. So many people have chosen to forego the hospital for childbirth because of COVID. But what happens when you're planning an out-of-hospital birth and test positive for COVID at 37 weeks? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 115 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and that's exactly what happened to Kate, and it was quite a difficult time for her, as you'll see, but... You'll also see that Kate's quite resourceful, and her experience certainly makes for an action-packed episode. In fact, topics covered in this episode include teen pregnancy, a forced induction, unexpected pregnancy, testing COVID positive at 37 weeks, birth center births, and becoming a midwife. Before we get into this incredible story, I'd love to take a moment to thank our reviewer of the week, Kiana Michelle R., who wrote, Caitlin is doing amazing work, getting ready for my first home birth after two hospital births, one traumatic. Caitlin's upbeat and positive reflections of her own births and her amazing guests make me excited instead of nervous. I also love that although she is very Christian and I happen not to be, I don't feel like pressured or obligated to live a certain lifestyle to relate to her or the content. Not many people can transcend that middle ground, and I appreciate her so much for being able to do so. And I just have to say that review was so deeply touching to me, Kiana. Thank you so much for such a kind and specific compliment. It truly meant so much to me, and it's a great opportunity for me to just stop and say thank you to all of you for listening. I know sometimes it's kind of weird and podcasts seem like a one-way relationship, but I feel like I know you guys too, and I genuinely care about you. So thank you for making this such a lovely space. And Kiana, if you'll email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And hey, if you get a moment, would you head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a hopefully five-star rating and maybe even a review? It's a free, easy way to support the show and make sure this information gets into the ears of other mothers who would benefit from it. Okay, that's good for now. Let's go ahead and get into the good part. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical professionals, so continue to see your doctor, your midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Kate, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. Would you mind starting by just introducing yourself to the listeners? Uh, My name is Kate Decker. I live in Oklahoma. I'm a mom of three. um, And I have a blended family. So I have some bonus children as well. That's amazing. So you said, I think we said before you started the interview, you had seven altogether? Seven altogether. Yes. That's awesome. (laughs) And two grandchildren, if you can believe that. Oh, wow. Yeah, you've got a, a nice big family. And I'm only 25, so yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> we were all three pregnant at the same time, so super Wow, weird. that is, okay, that's fascinating. Yes. That's really cool. Okay, so you have had three children of your own. Uh, I'd love to hear how your first birthing experience started. Um, So I was young and dumb and 16 and decided to get pregnant on purpose. Um, (laughs) Very, very naive. But anyways, um, got pregnant the first time I tried. Um, We tried for a boy and got a boy. Um, My relationship disintegrated during that pregnancy. Um, But my mom was my huge support and she had had me and my brother naturally Um, so I knew that that was something I could do. So I got a hospital based midwife, um, and really wanted to go the natural route. I don't know what made me want to do that, but, um, she was like, man, you can get the epidural. (laughs) Um, she didn't get an epidural because they didn't offer it at that hospital. Um, so anyways, I had a midwife and everything went perfectly during the pregnancy, um, 
I didn't have a lot of childbirth education. Obviously, I did go to a class, but they only teach you, um, you know, how to get the epidural and things like that. So um, didn't know about early stages of labor and that I need to eat and rest and all of that. So when it did come time to Labor Day, I had pretty much been awake for three days and hadn't eaten for three days and um, woke up on my due date, lost my mucus plug, was pretty sure it was the real deal, but I still drove myself to the hospital because I didn't believe it and got there and was six centimeters dilated. Wow. Um, so called my mom and she came up there and I labored all day long. Um, by the time I was like eight centimeters, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was falling asleep between contractions and I broke down crying. I thought my mom was going to be mad at me for getting the epidural, but <laughs> of course she wasn't. Hmm. Um, and then they're like, well, you have to have two bags of fluid before you can have the epidural because I didn't have an IV in. So I had to wait for that. So by the time I even got a little bit of medication, it was already time to push. So I didn't have the whole epidural. Mm. Um, so I could still hold my legs. I walked right afterwards and things like that. Um, I pushed for about 20 minutes. Um, I picked him up and pulled him out. Mm. Um, so that was special that at least I got to do that. Um, breastfeeding was hard with him. Again, I was young. I was 17 when he was born. So I had never watched somebody breastfeed before. Um, I never watched any videos or anything. So I did just did the best I could, but it only lasted about six weeks or so. Um, and then it took me a long time to have another child. I wanted to make sure I was in a good relationship before I had another child. Uh, moved to Oklahoma and met my now husband um, five years ago. And we dated for a couple of years before deciding to have a baby because um, we have a lot of kids. <laughs> so uh, we finally decided to try and get pregnant. And again, first try, got pregnant. Um, I really, really, really wanted a girl, um, but I didn't want to find out what I was having. So, but I was obsessed with getting ultrasounds. So oh. at... <laughs> I believe 15 weeks, um, the ultrasound tech ruined it and said he, oh. so I was pretty sad. Um, I had a little bit of gender disappointment cause I thought, um, that I just needed a girl really bad. Um, and then I had an OBGYN because that's just who I saw for my birth control and things like that. So I never pursued getting a midwife again with that one. And I don't know why, but I liked my OB and that's just what everybody does. Um, so that pregnancy was good, but I did gain a lot of weight. Um, when I got pregnant, um, I was on keto and so I was really, really skinny. And then I got pregnant and all I wanted was Taco Bell and bad stuff. <laughs> so I gained a lot of weight. I gained 65 pounds. Um, and at 37 weeks, well, let me back up. So my OB asked since like 10 weeks pregnant, when do you want to schedule your induction at 39 weeks? <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to schedule an induction. Um, and that was so frustrating to me. And I denied the genetics test. Um, I asked if I could deny the GBS swab and she wouldn't let me. But um, so we kind of butted heads about the natural stuff. And she's like, well, you're going to want the epidural anyways. And just wouldn't, I, she just didn't care to hear it. But um kept saying, no, I don't want to. And then at 37 weeks, um, she was like, okay, uh, you had a high blood pressure reading. So I want to run your urine and check for proteins. Um, so I was really scared. Um, they kind of make you feel like if you're going to have preeclampsia, that the baby's going to die and you have to like act right away. And now I know that, you know, other things can be done before that, but regardless, she checked my urine. There was a little bit of protein. So the next morning, they told me to go to the hospital to be induced. Um, and I was terrified. Um, I have heard horror stories of inductions and things like that. But of course, I wanted my baby to be safe. Um, and at that time, I was surrounded by a lot of nurses because I was in school to pursue. Um, I was getting my pre-nursing degree at the time. So I was very medicalized. And everybody was like, yeah, that's just what they do. Um, you'll be fine. 
So um, didn't have any natural minded people around me really to bounce ideas off of. So go to the hospital to be induced that morning, get there. My blood pressure was fine and there was no protein in my urine, but they still went ahead with the induction anyways. Um, that very is frustrating. So frustrating. <laughs> like, oh. oh, well, you don't have a problem, but I mean, you're here. Let's just do it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And they had already, um, broken my water when they told me that. <laughs> oh my word. So it wasn't much I could do at that point. Right. Um, oh, it was so bad. I, I was just so confused and didn't know what to do. And you're already there. And um, my mom was there. Yeah. And how, I can how do. dilated were you? I was barely even one centimeter. The, the OB that came in to break my water could barely get the hook in there. So you're one centimeter dilated. If that having and... your, yeah, having your water broken and baby is where, like, I mean, did they have any idea of what position your baby was in and where your baby was in your pelvis or in they your said... pelvis? They said he was head down, but a negative three station. So now knowing what I know, they could have caused a cord prolapse or any number of things, but they started Pitocin and broke my water at the same time. So there was absolutely no reason for it. My cervix was not favorable. Um, I think I was like 30% face. Like it was just, I was only 37 weeks and my first was born on his due date. So I was not ready to have a baby. Um, so that was frustrating. And that wasn't even my OB that did that. That was just another OB they called in to do that. So I never even saw my OB that whole day. Wow. Um, I had a really good nurse throughout the day. Um, but again, she was like, are you ready for your epidural? <laughs> I was like, I guess, because Pitocin sucks. So I broke down and got it at like three and a half centimeters. And I was really frustrated with myself. Um but it started to hurt pretty bad. And then, so they checked me and I was three and a half and I got the epidural. And then somewhere within a next two hours, I felt really gassy. I wasn't like pushy or anything like that, but I was like, this just feels weird. Um, so I called now a new nurse in that I did not like um, to check me so I could get more of the epidural because I was in so much pain. And she checked me and she wasn't saying anything um, and it felt like a really long cervical exam and she wasn't saying anything and I can't feel anything. And she's like, well, you're complete. Mm. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I was just three and a half centimeters. And, um, I just sent my family away. Um, and I was like, oh my, cause I thought we were going to be in for a long night. Right. Um, cause this was about midnight that she checked me and then she's like well we need to do some practice pushes because pretty much told me that she didn't believe that I could push this baby out so she wasn't going to call the doctor (laughs) I was like okay so they put my legs up she tells me to push and right as I barely start to bear down she's like oh crap no and throws my legs down together and she's like I am not catching this baby (laughs) so she's like I'm a new nurse (laughs) Uh, it was my husband looked at me like, Oh my God, like I just saw his head and she shoved your legs down and together. And then they like put a blanket over me. Like the baby could have fallen out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you cover it, it won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard that, uh, babies can just come out. So, turns <laughs> out. um, she was like, well, your doctor is in a C-section right now. And I was like, well, I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not my problem. Um, so I had to wait for probably what felt like forever. It was probably 10 or 15 minutes, um, with a baby pretty much crowned. (sighs) And then they, you know, doctor comes in, gets all ready. And then she's like, okay, I need you to push. And I push and he comes all the way out. (laughs) So it was like one and a half push. Um, and then. I had up on the board, delayed cord clamping, you know, like I said, she wasn't really into listening to my birth plan, but I have the birth on video and she cut the cord or clamped the cord at like two seconds old. Mm. Um, so that's frustrating. Um, but she suctioned him with a bulb and all of this stuff before even handing me him. And now I watch, watch it over again. I'm like, why is she doing all of that? 
um he came out his color was fine um so, would have been better if she hadn't cleared the cord <laughs> exactly but I was like why are you sectioning him but anyway I didn't know I was so I went from like three and a half to baby born so fast that right my my mind couldn't even catch up and I didn't know that there was opiates in the epidural um nobody told me that so like I started getting really itchy before that and I was really frustrated and just mad at everybody and I was like I don't want to be in this state when my son is born and it was just pretty traumatic. Like, even though it was a successful vag- vaginal delivery, like everybody says, <laughs> I didn't, it did not go very well. And it was pretty traumatic for my husband too. He was like, I don't know why that was so crazy. And like everybody running around all the bright lights and, you know, it just wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> but he was okay. He did have um, jaundice and um, he had all the, um, shots and everything in the hospital when they took him away and I didn't know what anything was really um so he did have quite a bit of jaundice and now I know why mm-hmm. but um you know they didn't leave the cord attached or anything either so and they gave him formula <laughs> really? because of it yes so I brought my pump everything I was so set up to be successful at nursing this time and I was trying to pump so they would just give him more colostrum um, versus formula. And they're like, no, he needs to poop all this jaundice out and like was making him take formula. So that was really frustrating. Um, so I felt inadequate. Um, but they just scare you into thinking it's, you know, if you don't do it their way, it's not going to work. Um, so we were there for three days, well, three nights and four days. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Because of the jaundice specifically? Yep. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, I loved the food, so that was okay. <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> but I, it, it was like recovering from a train wreck. Like my body was so sore and I've heard it now said, like, if you get an epidural that early, your body didn't really go through anything and then it wears off and it all hits you at once. Like, cause my body still went through it. I just my receptors didn't get to deal with it as it was happening. So it was the worst recovery. Like I tore, um, my back hurt forever. My back still hurts from that epidural. Um, you know, so I was glad we got to stay there for a while cause I could barely walk. Yeah. Um, but we went home and I gave him some formula for a little while longer. We had to go to the doctor like every other day for his billy checks. Um, Finally, we got cleared from that after I let him sit in the window still for a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's all it took. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I went back to work at four weeks postpartum with him. Um, so breastfeeding took a hit. My supply took a hit from that. But I was able to use some donor milk to supplement what I couldn't pump during the day. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um but he was successfully breastfed um, up until when he was 10 months old. I still had not had a period back. I was still breastfeeding him exclusively and I was on birth control. Um, and then I was talking to a friend of mine about ovulation tests and cause she wasn't using protection. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well at least take ovulation tests and see if you're even ovulating. And I took one kind of as a joke um, cause I was like, well, I'm not ovulating. So I'll show you what one looks like. And then it was extremely, extremely, extremely positive. And my heart just stopped because last time I had an ovulation test that strong, it was when I was pregnant because HCG will also make an LH test positive. So, Oh, I freaked out. <laughs> um, two weeks before that, my husband told me he didn't want more kids. So, um, I was like, no, I'm not pregnant. There's no way. Um, I was on the birth control pill. So I know it's not the best form of birth control, but like I said, I still didn't have periods. So I was certain that I was not pregnant, Mm -hmm. but I still grabbed my 10 month old and went to the dollar store in our PJs and picked up three pregnancy tests. And I remember the girl saying like, why do you need three? (laughs) I (laughs) (laughs) I just need every brand. And, um, I got home, peed again, 
took it and went and sat in the living room and was going to go back in in three minutes. And I was like, no, I'll just go back in there. There's no way like I'm being stupid. And before I even opened the bathroom door all the way, I could see two blazing. No way. <laughs> like, oh my God, I know how accurate these are, but this has got to be broken. I am severely pregnant. Yes. <laughs> oh, and so I take the other two and FaceTime my friend and I'm like, I hate myself. Why did I do this? Like, this is all your fault for making me take an ovulation test. And um, so I texted my husband because I was so terrified um and we got into a really big argument um he thought that I got pregnant behind his back um and I would never do something like that and now he knows like you know that all resolved itself but in that moment it was you know we have a lot of kids and shocking for everyone I guess yeah he was like why would why you know like even if we were gonna have another one we would not have had two under two um and it was just the most sickening feeling because I absolutely love being pregnant, love having babies. Like it was fine, but if it took the joy out of it, um, you know, my other two, I got pregnant intentionally. So I got to test early and do all of the things. And like, I was just kind of like, Oh my goodness, like I'm pregnant. I don't know when I got pregnant. I could be three months pregnant. I have no idea. Um, thank God I don't drink or do anything because, um, you know, all that but how far along did you find out that you were four weeks and like three days okay. <laughs> so I wasn't even I was like well cool maybe I missed the first three months um but no <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was 19 days past ovulation by the time we went back and figured it out um so I didn't get to skip much of <laughs> knowing I was pregnant but um that day I remember sitting on the couch before this happened and I was like, oh my God, I smell ketchup. And I was like, that is really weird. Like, why do I smell ketchup? In my living room, there's no ketchup around. Um, my son had stepped on a pack of ketchup and there was some in the corner <laughs> that I found later. So my sense of smell was the only thing, but of course I did not think that that morning. Um, so yeah, my husband and I were arguing quite a bit about that. Um, but obviously there was nothing I was going to do about it. So we just didn't tell anybody for a while. Um, and then one month after I found out I was pregnant, I got my acceptance letter into nursing school. Mm. Um, and I was kind of scared to tell people and then be like, Oh, Hey, now I'm pregnant and I'm ruining like what I thought was going to be my nursing career. Um, but I eventually told, so I told everybody I got accepted into nursing school and then I told everybody that I was pregnant. Um, and my mom was just like, how are you going to do this? You know, she really wanted me to go to school. Um, I do have a lot of support here and family here, but nursing school and a full-time job and two babies was going to be really hard. Um, right. So I was like, I don't know, but God will work it out, you know. Um, and then I wasn't going to find out what I was having with this one either. But after two boys and an unexpected pregnancy, I was like, man, I just want it to be a girl <laughs> so bad. Um, and then COVID happened and my husband couldn't go to appointments with me anymore. And I was like, well, I don't want to find out without him there. Um, but at my like 12 week ultrasound, I could see the nub, if you know what that is. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, it's a girl. Um <laughs> But so we paid to go have a private ultrasound done where he could actually go. And we found out that it was a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of gave us something to be excited about because he really wanted a girl the, um, when I got pregnant with my son, too. So that was exciting. But um, everybody was just kind of nervous for us. Like, how are you guys going to handle this? Um, but after... COVID happened, I was really skeptical about how things were going to happen. Like I wasn't able to go to school anymore. We all had to do online school. Um, so I was able to work more and do online school, but then I, my OB told me that only one person could be in the hospital with me. Um, and I was like, okay, well, that's not going to happen. So (laughs) I, um, I don't remember which happened first. I either started listening to podcasts or, watching birth videos on 
YouTube. Um, but I knew that birth centers and home birth, you could obviously have whoever you wanted there. So I Googled birth centers near me and it was super, super fancy. And I was like, yeah, I can do that there. <laughs> so I called and they accepted my insurance. It was the only insurance they were in network with. So I was oh, like, wow. okay, God deal. Um, so I made an appointment with them and I transferred care at 18 weeks. And then I really started listening to um, your podcast and I reached out to you in May and I had already listened to 20 episodes in like a couple of days <laughs> and a quick 20. Yes. I, I think I listened to every podcast. I think there was probably 80 when I started listening to it and I got caught up pretty quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cause I, I worked outside. I do paint and remodeling. So I was painting exteriors all summer long while pregnant. Um, while everybody else was, <laughs> yeah, everybody else was inside wearing masks, but we got to be outside, um, working in the heat. So I did not gain very much weight this pregnancy, um, because of what happened last time. I was so scared of risking out a home birth that I decided to cut out sugar and gluten again, um, to make sure I didn't gain near as much weight. Cause I was terrified of having to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely took care of myself this time, but, um, listening to podcasts and watching positive birth stories all day, every day for months, I believe is like key. Um, I wasn't able to do a hypnobirthing class or anything because of COVID. So I pretty much just use podcasts as like my form of meditation or hypnosis. Um, and I think it really paid off. So now I recommend it to everybody, um, <laughs> regardless where they're giving birth at, because just hearing so many stories about what our bodies are capable of, like it was just the most spiritual experience to hear so many stories so um you know transferred care um and my husband got to go to appointments with me they were like an hour to an hour and a half long um and I reached out to a midwife not my midwife but another midwife in the area um and I said hey I was supposed to start school to be a nurse midwife but now I'm learning the a C, what a CPM is and um, that's what she was and I said can you just kind of walk me through what both paths look like because I don't really know what to do now and she said would you ever want to be a nurse um, like say you stop liking being a midwife would you want to be a nurse and I said absolutely not <laughs> and she was like okay then no do not spend the next eight years pursuing something that you don't even want to do so I'm very, very grateful for her. Um, and she recommended MCU to me. Um, and I looked it up and I'm from Colorado. So I was like, well, that's cool. It's in Utah. Like, I don't know. I know a lot of people from Utah. So I was like, okay. And then it was all distance learning. Um, and there was actually an application period, like two weeks away from the time that we talked, oh, wow. um, her and I talked, um, June in June. So started listening to your podcast in May and I reached out to her in June because um, I wasn't going to be able to start nursing school in August being um, I was due in October so I wouldn't have been able to start nursing school um, two months away from my due date right. pretty much so um, decided to apply and prayed about it and was like if I get in then I know that this is probably the route that I should go um, and in that application period, like I, um, continued to watch documentaries and listening to midwife podcasts and all sorts of things. And really felt like that was my, that was what I wanted to do. And that's how I was meant to serve. Um, and then I, <laughs> I was really scared. I wasn't going to get in because, um, I guess some people, a lot of people have to apply twice and things like that. Um, but I got into nursing school and nursing school is so hard to get into that, I was like, whatever, but you only have to wait like two weeks <laughs> before they let you know. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. Nursing school is like six months. Yeah. But, um, so in September, I think it was August or September, um, I got accepted oh. and I had my prenatal appointment that day. And my midwife was like, so tell me, tell me, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you're, did you get in? I was like, oh yeah. Um, I did. <laughs> so that was really cool that she, she was super involved in 
um, that part of my life too. Um, she's a CNM, but she's still, um, she worked with a CPM when she was in school. So she, and obviously she owns a birth center. So she is very fond of both right. um, paths. But, um, and for those who are listening, uh, if you don't know the difference, a CNM is a certified nurse midwife. So, like Kate, you know, mentioned, it's nursing school and then midwifery on top of that. And then a CPM is a certified professional midwife. And so that is directly into midwifery. You're not becoming a nurse first. Hey, mamas, let me interrupt for a few quick moments to share some great news. I have a free class waiting for you. Homebirth Mythbusters, the five myths you need to bust to have a happy homebirth is my free gift to all of you who are considering homebirth, planning your 15th homebirth, or are just curious to know more about what this is all about. Head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash mythbusters to select a time that works for you and get started. You'll gain access to not only this incredible free masterclass, but you'll also be given access to sign up for Happy Homebirth Academy and an incredible bonus stack of resources. So wait no longer. Head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash mythbusters and reserve your seat today. Okay, let's get back to Kate. Yeah, and one and I didn't know that there was another option until um, listening to your podcast. Um, I remember one of your first episodes, <laughs> you said, you know, well, I would prefer a CPM or something like that. And I was like, well, what's that? I want that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so I looked on online and I saw that my midwife was a CNM and I was like, well, crap. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to no. switch, switch uh -oh. now. I hope I didn't say it a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> no, CNMs but now I totally great. get it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so I got accepted and I kind of wanted a home birth. I was kind of you know, we moved in August. So I was 30 weeks pregnant. It's really hot in Oklahoma, if you don't know. So we're moving and I didn't want a home birth before that because I didn't know where we were going to be living. Um, we just rent and we knew we needed a bigger house for another baby, but we didn't know where that was going to be. So I don't want to plan a home birth without having anywhere to live. <laughs> um, so now once we moved in, I was like, well, I technically could have done it here, but I was already um, you know, 10 weeks in or whatever with care with my midwife. So I wasn't going to switch. Um, at one point she even said, you know, if you want a home birth, I understand. And I was like, well, no, I love you. You're my midwife. Like <laughs> I'll come here and do it. Um, I'll come to the fancy birth center. Yes. Oh, and the whole pregnancy, there's three birth suites and one of them is like super bougie, super sparkly, everything. And I was like, I want that one. And I said, how often do you have two girls in here at the same time? So one can't get that sweet. And she was like, very rarely ever. And I was like, okay, it'll be all right. Um, but it has like a cute little crib in it and everything is just so cute. Um, so pregnancy is going perfect. What I loved about my prenatal events is I will say this, like after having an OB for five years, that she never knew my name. And I know that they're taught to not bond with you because they need to be able to cut you open if it comes to that. But my midwife knew everybody in my family's name, my son's name. Um, I got to weigh myself, do my own GBS swab. Um, I really felt in control of like everything. Um, and that's amazing. Like with an OB, they just tell you what to do. And, um, you know, you have a list of questions you want to ask, but you forget because it's only a five minute conversation and it was just amazing. Um, I, I didn't have to wear a mask in there. My husband could come. It was, it was just a great prenatal experience. Um, and she knew that I now was going to be a midwife. So, um, we would talk kind of peer review type stuff and she would just tell me stories. And I really liked bonding with her in that way. Um, and then, I wanted to get my doula certification so I could start attending births because they want you to do that for school and um, to kind of make sure you can handle being around birth. Um, but because of COVID, I couldn't find an in-person class, but I found one online. What ended up being the weekend before my daughter was born. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um, so I didn't really get to do anything with that, but um a couple of days before my doula training, um, 
or the weekend before my doula training, my husband had a fever. Um, I was 37 weeks, 37 or 38 weeks. And my husband had a fever and I was like, Oh crap, please. No, (laughs) (laughs) not right now. And he guys are just babies when they're sick. So I was like, whatever, you're fine. Um, but then we found out, um, that his sister had COVID. Oh gosh. And I was like, well, (laughs) okay. And you know, we don't really believe in going and getting tested like all that, but we had to. So he went and we both went and got tested and his was positive. Mine was negative. Mm. And I was like, well, how long is this going to (laughs) last? Um, so I called my midwife and I was like, well, he's positive, but I'm negative. And she was like, well, he can't come to the center if he is positive and you're more than likely to get it too. Um, so it was pretty much the most crushing feeling to be so close to the end. I worked so hard to only gain 14 pounds my whole pregnancy. I was super healthy, working outside. Um, I was doing everything I could. And then COVID, which was the whole reason I didn't want to deliver at the hospital anyway. Right. And I was so frustrated because, you know, we were never concerned about COVID, but um, having it take away my ability to go to the birth center and because I couldn't risk my midwife getting sick, um, it, it really hurt. <laughs> and um, I was really angry, um, but I didn't have any symptoms. So I went and got tested two days later because I lost my sense of smell and taste. Mm-hmm. So I got tested and it was positive. So I was only testing because um, I had to wait 10 days after a positive test to be able to go back to the center. So mm-hmm. I wanted to test early <laughs> right, to it. make that time shorter. Um, but then I did end up losing my taste. Um, and that was it. That was the only symptom I ever had for seven days. Um, they say, I guess, people with O blood types um, do better with it. I don't know. <laughs> I just know we're healthy and take all our vitamins. So my husband only had a fever for one day and I only had, couldn't taste my food. Um, So that was it. We, my two-year-old was fine. Well, he wasn't two yet, but um, he was like 18 months old at this time and he never got sick or anything. So from, okay. So for the birth center, since your husband tested positive from the day he tested positive, was it then, okay, you can't, he can't come to the birth center 10 days after that. Yes. So that's, that's when they told me that, um, cause I wasn't going to say anything, but I was like, well, I have to, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I called her and we had like an hour long conversation. And I was like, you know, he's fine. He's not like super sick. Like, you know, I feel fine. And she was like, well, 10 days from either the start of symptoms or a positive test, but his was that same day. Right. So, um, we had 10 days from that time. Gotcha. Um, so that would have put me at, 39 weeks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't know how far I would have gone with my second because I was induced. So I had no idea if I was going to be on my due date again or whatever. I had no idea. Um, and I've heard that if you're sick, sometimes that can make your body go into labor because they need to get the baby out. Um, and so I was scared of that happening. Um, so I talked to my midwife that night and she's like, you can't come to the center for 10 days. So you need to figure something out essentially. And she's like, I have to advise you that you need to go to the hospital. If you go into labor in the next 10 days, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I love you, but that's not happening. <laughs> I will tell you that that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not. <laughs> um, so that was on a Wednesday and I started calling. She was like, well, let me call. There's one midwife in the area that had COVID mm. and there was one birth assistant that had already had it. So she's like, let me call them and see what we can do. And I was like, okay, great. So she called them and the midwife had said no, because she was so fresh out of school that she didn't want to go to a birth without another midwife. Um, cause she had just finished her nurse midwi- midwifery degree. So she hadn't actually done any home births yet. Okay. So I was like, well, crap. So we have a lot of midwives in our area. And I was like, come on, somebody. So I start calling everybody. Everybody's like, no, 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 I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And 
I was heartbroken. I was like, I am working so hard to be a midwife. And I felt like the people that were going, I was going to be raised up in like this community that I was wanting to be a part of was like letting me down. And it was really upsetting, (laughs) especially after hearing so many podcast stories of like amazing midwives and communities coming around everybody. I was just super sad. Um, And I was like, well, I don't want to get too upset and then cause something to happen. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, I, uh, it was very frustrating. And I, I got on Facebook and I found a list of midwives and double checked to make sure I had called everybody. And I found one name I had never heard of. Um, There wasn't like a birth center or anything. It was just a CPM out there. Um, So I messaged her on Facebook and I said, Hey, this is a really weird concern. Can I call you? And she's like, yes. And um, I called her and she has, she's kind of the midwife of midwives around here. Um, She's not super involved in social media and all that stuff just because she's been a midwife for so long that like her name just gets around regardless but I hadn't heard it yet um and I said will you do this for me and she was like yes Mm. (laughs) and she's like I'll come alone if I have to um she had actually done it for another mom in August Mm. um that mom she was a primate first-time mom and planning a hospital birth she went in to be induced at 39 weeks like everybody does (laughs) and she was positive for covid so she grabbed her things and left (laughs) and i'm like go mom (laughs) so she ended up calling that midwife and she did that for her so that lady wasn't even planning a home birth or anything and she did it and she rocked it and um so this midwife was willing to do that for me so i ordered a birth pool online um that was going to be here in two days So I got everything ready for a home birth. And then she's like, all right, I'll put you in my phone. I'll set the, um, she has a ringtone for people that are (laughs) in range of giving birth. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I won't ever see you. And maybe I will. (laughs) And at 2 a.m. that night morning, whatever, um, woke up having contractions two to four minutes apart. Oh, my word. I was like, this cannot be happening. My pool is not here. And it was all about that pool, man. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have a pool. I get and that. We are in a rental and the bottom of our tub in the bathroom had a little hole in it. So I couldn't even get in there if I wanted to. Um, so I was like, of course, this is going to happen. And I start timing them and it's like, go to the hospital, go to the hospital. <laughs> I'm like... Oh my goodness, this is really happening. So I called the birth center I was supposed to deliver at and I told them what was happening. And I said, I need you to bring me over all of the things that I need um, for this birth because I might have to do this by myself right now. So they brought over um, all the little essentials, um, Chuck's pad, um, stuff to cut the cord, all all the things that I would need and set it on my porch. And I called that midwife and she lived an hour and a half away. Mm. And I was like, well, I've heard the third can be crazy. So I was really scared that she wasn't even going to be able to make it. And she's like, okay, we'll go take a shower and see if they stop. And they were so like, I mean, I was convinced they're, this was it. They were super close together, super, super strong, breathing through them already. Woke up my husband right away, got in the shower and they freaking stopped <laughs> completely. And I was almost mad just because it's like, I sounded all the alarms. I called my birth photographer, my mom, everybody. (laughs) And then it went away. So I think I only had contractions for probably an hour. And I think it was just the stress of everything. Yeah. And now I have heard that moms can actually like stop their labor. Um, and I, I don't know if that's what happened. If I just knew it wasn't the right time. Um, I have no idea, but um, that midwife kept asking me, like, do you have bloody show or anything like that? And I didn't, it was only those contractions. So, um, who knows what that was about? Yeah. But I called her and I was like, Hey, sorry, you can go back to bed. Never mind. <laughs> I know we just met today, but sorry for waking you up. <laughs> um, so Glad that was works. <laughs> September 29th, I think. Um, and I was due October 14th. So, um, it was still a little early, 
I really wanted my baby to be born in October because I'm born in October and my birthday is October 16th. So I really wanted her to be two days late and be born <laughs> on my birthday. <laughs> um, so I was nowhere near ready for this baby yet. Um, so then the next morning I call the birth center and I'm like, okay, false alarm. I didn't have the baby. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and um, so I had that 10 day quarantine Um I was still, I started going back to work because I was fine and we were working outside with just me and my husband. So there was no reason to stay away or anything. So um, I was still working and um, on October 8th, um, I was 39 weeks and one day um, I was having contractions. But, you know, after that false alarm, I think you really get frustrated (laughs) with your body anytime you have contractions. Um, cause I'm one of those people that has Braxton Hicks from like 18 weeks on. And, um, but this day they just hurt really, really low, but they were like one every hour or something. So I was just like, it's fine. Um, I was climbing ladders all day up on a scaffolding and stuff. So, um, but I had texted my birth photographer cause she asked how I was doing. And I was like, I'm good. I'm having contractions, but I don't think anything's going to happen. But I have a midwife appointment tonight and I'll let you know. I said, I feel like I'll be pregnant forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mind you, I wanted to go until <laughs> eight more days or whatever. So um, I was looking back at our messages and I was like, I'm going to be pregnant forever. And um, so I go to my midwife appointment after work that day at like five o'clock. And like I said, I had been having contractions all day. It just hurt really, really low, like in my pubic bone or something. It was super odd. And my baby had been breached multiple times. Um, My midwife actually did a version and was able to flip her at, I think, 36 weeks. So I was like, I don't know if she's just transverse or something's going on but can you just check me and see what you can tell she was like well she's head down but I mean she could tell that without checking me but um she was trying to see the position more um with an internal exam and I was three centimeters and 80 percent effaced I was like okay well they're not they're doing something but they're not doing a whole lot um because I was checked at 36 weeks um and I was she could barely get to my cervix. I was nothing. So, um, somewhere along that time, <laughs> my cervix became more favorable, but I, I texted, my husband went and worked out after work and I went to the appointment by myself and I texted my mom and said, I'm three and 80. And she's like, Oh, what does that mean? And I was like, well, it could be two weeks. I have no idea. It doesn't mean anything. And, um, What's funny is my husband's mom texted him that morning and said, tell Kate not to give birth this weekend because we're going to be out of town. Oh, boy. And it's like, don't ever say that. (laughs) 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 Yes. So his whole family was out of town. And mind you, a part of the the reason I didn't want to deliver at the hospital was so that I could have everybody there. And then everybody goes out of town. Mm So um, I was like, whatever. Still didn't think anything was going to happen. So have the appointment, text my mom, I go home and I decided to start timing them and chugging water and taking a shower. And I was just curious if it was going to be anything. And they were like 10 minutes apart. And I was like, okay, I don't have anything to worry about. Um, Probably should stop working though, because I'm going to, I'm pushing myself too hard. And this was two days after my quarantine was up now. So um, I was able to go to a midwife appointment. So I hadn't seen my midwife for two weeks um, and then finally got to see her again that day. So we were just excited that we got to see each other. And now I could go to the center if I needed to. Um, so I'm cleaning up the house, you know, just in Casey's, <laughs> um, texted my birth photographer, a screenshot of my contractions. And she was like, well, you could, you know, try to get them going or try and go to bed. And I was like, yeah, I'll probably just try to go to bed. So by like eight o'clock, um, still they were 10 minutes apart or so I was fine, but they just kind of hurt. Um, and like I said, you know, I hadn't had, hadn't had natural real life contractions, um, you know, for six, seven years or whatever because of my induction. So 
kind of doubting myself again. <laughs> like it's not real, but never would call it active labor at home. But I was texting my midwife and she was like, well, if you want to come up here, I'm up here with another mom who's having a really long labor. Like you can come up here and I can check you if you want. Um, so I decided to, um, because we had my, my son here, um, he was 18 months, 19 months when she was born. So I wanted to make sure that he was somewhere safe, um, and taken care of so that I could, could kind of relax in case this was anything. So my husband took my son to my friend's house to put him to bed over there. Um, that was about at 11 o'clock at night. And we decided to go to the birth center about 12, 1230. And I remember that car ride and hearing about all the car tractions <laughs> during listening to your po- podcast. And I was like, oh, this sucks. And I was only 10 minutes away. So I was like, technically, I should only have one. But I but made my husband stop, stop at the gas station and get me ice. Um, so I remember having one in the car at the gas station. And there was a guy out front. And I was like, he's going to think I'm insane. Like... <laughs> doing contortionist moves in the car. But um, we get to the birth center. I see the other mom. They're like playing a deck of cards or something. And I was like, well, she's not like in full-blown labor or anything. But I walked in perfectly fine. You know, I wasn't in full-blown labor either. Um, but she was, of course, in that suite that I wanted. Of course. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, of course this would happen. <laughs> and um, she was actually in my childbirth education class. So my husband knew her. And all of us had met before. So that was kind of cool. Um, and she was a VBAC. So that, that was cool to be there for that. But hers was hers started by her water breaking. So she was kind of trying to get things going. So I walk in, my midwife checks me and I was only four and 90. So she's like, well, in that many hours of having contractions, you know, who knows? So none of us were convinced. I said, okay, I'm going to lay down with the monitor on because I wanted to stop timing them on my phone. And <laughs> I think being in the midwife realm, I just wanted to know everything. So I was like, put the monitor on me and let me sit here with the peanut ball because she still wasn't in optimal position. So I laid down on my side with the peanut ball for three contractions on the monitor. And my husband laid down with me. The lights were off. He fell asleep because he thought we were just going to lay there for a while and then see since I wasn't progressing that much. Um, Those three contractions were probably the hardest thing I've ever had to get through. Oh, wow. And I, I, that did it. So <laughs> anybody, if you're struggling in labor, just sit there with the peanut ball. <laughs> I've heard some great things. I always thought that the peanut ball was like really only usable when a mom had an epidural. And I have learned that is not the case. The peanut balls are, I mean, and it totally makes sense. I don't know why I thought that at any point, but yeah, that leg up position can be so helpful. Yeah. So I think that she, cause when I was at home laboring, I was on hands and knees a lot because I knew that she was a little posterior. So, um, I was trying to do that to avoid the back labor and things like that. Um, and then I sat there with that peanut ball. I went to the, I ripped that monitor off me, went to the bathroom and I was like, David, David, that's my husband's name. <laughs> and he would not answer and I was yelling from the toilet and he had fallen asleep. Um, and I finally, that contraction ended. I got up and I shook him and I was like, call my mom. <laughs> We're not leaving. And I walked out there. My midwife was sitting down playing cards with that other family. And I said, fill the pool. And she was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> I guess we're doing this. So everybody kind of looked at I me like shove the cards <laughs> off of the table. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody pay attention. We are doing this. And uh, so my husband called my mom. Uh, they came in and started filling the pool um, or the tub. And it's a, it's a really nice, like actual huge tub. So mm-hmm. it has hard walls and stuff. So um they're filling that up. It does take quite a bit to fill up. Um, so I call my birth photographer. She heads that way. My mom got there at 1230. Um, so we had got there probably 1215. She got there at 1230. And then my birth photographer got there. So when my mom got there, I was sitting on the toilet. And I cried when she got there just because it was like a special moment, like finally happening. We're going to meet. 
you know, she doesn't have any granddaughters and this was my first girl. So we were, it was just super special moment. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my mom yesterday, um, to kind of get her point of view of the birth. And she was like, man, when I walked in, it was just like the ambiance of the room was like so beautiful and dim lights and worship music and everything was just set up exactly how I wanted it. And, um, she just thought it was so beautiful. Uh, my mom wanted to be a doula when she was younger and she had been a part of all of my aunt's births that were natural. And my aunt even had twins naturally in the hospital. So um, she was excited to kind of get to be a doula again. <laughs> and um, my birth photographer was like a bonus doula as well. They were just so amazing to me and everybody was so supportive. And like my midwife was praying over me and things just escalated pretty quickly. Obviously I thought I was going home and now I'm like, you know, moaning through contractions. And, um, I asked her to check me again, um, about one So an hour later and she's like, are you sure? I said, yes. And she was like, okay. She, she checked me. I was standing up leaning over the bed and she was behind me and she checked me and she's like, okay, well, you're like nine, nine and a half. So you might want to get in the tub. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> And my waters were still intact because I really wanted an in-call baby. <laughs> that was like something I wanted. Um, so she, she didn't check me for very long because she didn't want to break my water on accident. So um, she was like, yeah, you should probably get in. And I just looked at my husband. And I was like, holy crap, like this is actually happening. And um, I got back in the tub and I was laboring on hands and knees during contractions. And then I would sit up and drink a little bit of water in between. Um, and I remember hearing my mom say, geez, they're getting really close together. And, um, my midwife was like, you can push a little bit with them if you want to. And I just kind of bear down a little bit and my water broke and I was like, crap, <laughs> my water broke. <laughs> and, um, I just remember saying it so nonchalantly. Everyone's like, is she really pushing a baby out right now? And <laughs> just having a normal conversation. So my midwife was like, okay, David, get ready. Cause we wanted him to catch. And, um, so I was on hands and knees and they were behind me and my midwife had on her headlamp and I have the birth on video and it's so, so beautiful. Um, and I start pushing, I didn't wait for the fetal ejection reflex. I wish I would have, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, and I don't know if I would have waited if she would have just like shot out if it would have been worse or not, but I don't know. So I pushed probably twice and she was out. Wow. So, well, maybe three times it was like crown head body. Um, and, um, her dad caught him, caught her and I turned around. I had to flip my leg over and turn around to grab her. And I just remember seeing her in the water and she was so tiny and, oh. So tiny. My first was eight and a half pounds. My second was seven, three, but he was 37 weeks. So I was like, you know, generally I make big babies and she was just tiny Aww. and I was 39 and two now. Um, but she was super cheesy and super tiny. So that was interesting. And then, um, I pick her up and, um, she let out a cry and then was looking around the room. Um, and it was just so beautiful. And, um, the song voice of truth was playing, um, on my worship playlist. And so now I have that framed that song and a picture of us. And, um, so that was cool to know which song she was born to. And, um, I remember my husband said something to her and she looked right at him, like picked up her head and looked at him and it was just so beautiful. And I remember asking on my birth plan that I, I wanted to be the one to stimulate her if she needed, um, any rubbing or anything. And, she, my midwife even says that in the video, like, no, 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 let her do it. She, so they just respected every single part of my birth plan, like to a T and we didn't talk about it that day. You know, we talked about that at 36 weeks and she just respected every single part of my birth plan. And, um, she didn't need any assistance or anything. She was fine. Um, her Afgar score was nine and at one minute and nine at five minutes. So she was perfectly fine. Um, there was like no blood. It was so like, so perfect. And they started draining the water. And then, um, my placenta was born six minutes later. So I didn't even have to worry about that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had heard on your podcast about burning the cord. 
So I wanted to do that. Um, so we were leaving the baby and the placenta attached. Um, so my husband had to carry around the placenta and the baby while I got out of the tub and, um, everybody that was there is just like, it was so beautiful. And I guess people in hospitals don't think about like the bright lights, the freezing cold, the sterile, the yelling and running around and all that. Like this was just so, so set up for me and the baby. And I think her transition into the world was like flawless. Um, it ended up only being an hour and a half. So that was crazy to me. And I remember hearing some of the third time babies being like really, really long or really, really fast. <laughs> and oh, wild cards. <laughs> yes, very much so. And I was like, I just want like a six to eight hours. Just give me, you know, pretty average. <laughs> and um, it was so fast. But I can tell you this, that I never felt out of control. Even everybody around me, like, didn't even think that it was about to be done because I was in control and um I I don't think that that makes me a stronger person it was just how much I prepared for this and how much I like whatever my body was going to do I was going to be a part of it and like I think it is so much of a mental game and I prepared in every way possible and no matter what I was going to make this a beautiful experience and I know so many things go unplanned but um I think it is important to visualize what your birth is going to be like. And I kept saying, I hope it's not too fast. And then it happened anyways. But um, I heard people on the podcast talk about um, it's like getting run over by a freight train and it like, it just goes too fast and it's way too hard. Um, but for me, I can say that like my pain was probably like a seven at the most. Um it was really bearable. That's why I never thought that I was anywhere near done. I never had a transition. I never said I can't do this. I never threw up, never got shaky, nothing. So um, until she was out, you know, I didn't believe that it was really going to happen, I guess. Um, so it, it was beautiful. And the other mom still had not delivered. <laughs> so my midwife was like, okay, I got to go. Um, but she was like, you, you've got this, you're fine. So um she went into the other room and um and about an hour later we wanted to um burn the cords so we did that and the birth assistant and my photographer my mom husband all of us got to burn the cord um there's a sprinkler system in this building though because it used to be um a a dialysis clinic so it's like a medical facility still so there I was like I don't want to set off the fire alarms (laughs) and get everybody soaking wet so we didn't burn it all the way through Mm -hmm. um but it was still really beautiful and I I used a crochet tie on her umbilical cord and it had a little pumpkin on it and it was so cute and I will say that burning it and using that for some reason I mean it fell off in three days um very clean smooth like it I don't know what that has to do with it but it, it was better than any of my plastic clamps on my other kids but yeah, I agree. It's so strange how that works, but it does seem that they fall off a little bit faster that way. Yeah. And, um, we left it on there for so long that, um, it was pretty tiny. You know, I think when they clamp them sometimes in the hospital, they're so thick and cause there's still stuff in there. Um, so hers was pretty small, but mm-hmm. anyways, then we decided to kind of take a nap and lay in bed and my mom went home. Um, and then I can hear the next mom start to push. So that was really cool to like be all in those emotions and then hear it happen again. Um, and knowing she was a VBAC, it was, it was pretty special. Um, but then my midwife went to bed. So I was like, okay, I want to, um, weigh her. So she didn't end up getting her weight done until she was like six hours old or so, Uh, but that's fine. Um, she was only six, four. She was my, by far my littlest. So they went eight, seven, six. Wow. (laughs) She was tiny and, um, nursing went phenomenal. She latched like a champ. Um, everything was great. And we went home that morning and I was out and about all day that day. So I didn't sleep or do anything. Um, I was on that high. Um, it is so different than a hospital birth. Like 
after my epidural and all of that, like I was dead for days. And this time I had so much energy and everyone's like, why are you out and like at the store and went and seeing family and doing all these things? Um, oh boy. <laughs> but it, it, you know, I was like, I need to lay in and rest and do all this stuff, but I felt so good. Um, I was back to my pre-pregnancy weight at seven days postpartum. I just Whoa. felt <laughs> felt phenomenal. And I was like, man, this is the way to do it. I, I said I wanted another one as soon as she was out, even though we agreed to not have any more. But I guess I just want to be a surrogate because it was so amazing. Um, oh, wow. That's incredible, Kate. What, what a beautiful story. And I do feel like, you know, with your with your previous situations, this was such a, a redemptive birth. I mean, the birth itself was so beautiful. And obviously you had to go through some tough spots of your pregnancy in the beginning and then with COVID. Um, but gosh, it sure did turn out just so beautifully. That's so amazing. It was so perfect. Like I, I show everybody the birth video and I'm like, see, it's not like what they show in movies. And I just, it it was, it was the most special thing and the most intimate moments that me and my husband have ever had. And even he is like, yeah, I I want a home birth now. Like, (laughs) he goes and tells everybody that they need to have a midwife and stuff. That's incredible. And now, you know, you're on this path to become a midwife yourself and, and, even bringing that up, I would love, I know that there are going to be listeners who would love to follow along with your journey in the birthing world as, you know, you step into doula work and um, assisting at births and then midwifery. Would you be willing to share your social media information? Um, Sure. So my, I don't have like a business page or anything yet, um, but I will. My Instagram is katedecker99. Um, and I can send you that stuff for the show notes and then Kate Decker on Facebook. Um, and yeah, I, school is going great. And now I, I work at the birth center that I delivered at. So I get to be a part of that. Um, and I have attended 13 births so far. Um, and it's going great. I absolutely love it. And, um, I cannot wait to be a midwife myself and be a part of this for other people. Oh, that is beautiful. Gosh, well, Kate, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your gorgeous stories. It was such an honor to have you. Thank you so much for having me and I will continue to listen on forever. (laughs) What a great episode. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I have three thoughts for us to go over just really quickly. Number one, stress has a physiological effect, as Kate discussed when she went through her COVID scare at 37 weeks. She began having contractions and the like. And this is just a small example of why it's so important for us to mitigate that stress whenever possible. Obviously, Kate couldn't control the situation around her, but sometimes a hot shower will do just the thing. And next, isn't it so neat to hear stories that have such an unexpected twist? The fact that Kate went to the birth center assuming she'd head home soon, hops on a peanut ball, and suddenly she's ready to push out a baby. Our bodies are just amazing. And finally, we need more midwives. I am so excited that Kate is working towards joining the ranks, and if you're out there wondering if birth work might be right for you, Well, this is me saying, hey, if you're feeling called, try it out. We need you. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you for now. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast. 